Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, a podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Ready to dive back into our Days of Red Stars cast series. We're going to continue on this episode with a new class. So we're diving into 2015 era. So that means we're going to be discussing that epic 2015 draft class that the Red Stars uh, went ahead and made a splash with. We're going to be discussing some World Cup stuff and uh, diving into two very specific games within this era. And I uh, couldn't do any of that alone. No one could do anything alone. So I'm uh, here tonight with my friend, homie and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. The Scam Originator. How you doing tonight, Claire? Well, I'm doing all right. Um, every every day is a is a winding road, as Cheryl Crow said. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I'm we're at all, right now. <laughs> we're all living in the past in the future, uh, actually. Yeah. And uh, Claire, there's, there's a lot to get into here. And uh, you and I couldn't do this alone because no one can ever do anything alone truly so you and i are both joined tonight by another friend homie and colleague and that's john heller how you doing tonight john i'm good how are you guys hanging in there We're hanging in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying our best yeah uh we had such a blast on the last episode where we got into that 2014 era specifically for the Benedictine episode that we wanted to chat about. And we were joined by Maggie Zubik of Chicago Local 134. And you were so cool to say, yeah, I'll hang out with you guys and talk about the days of Benedictine. (laughs) And out of that conversation, we were like, man, we should really have you back to talk about this sort of 2015 segment that we were going to do. So I'm really excited to dive into this stuff with all of us uh before we do that part of why we in case people haven't realized part of why we're rolling out the content with the days of red stars past series is because we're all being uh, affected by the covid19 virus that's taking place right now in terms of the pandemic Uh, everyone's trying their best including us and we wanted to utilize this opportunity to dive back into some uh past red stars games and sort of be able to react and document that history because i think we can all agree that we're all very fortunate and really lucky that uh, we all sort of have our hand in covering a team that actually kind of has a history and um we're able to go back and sort of and do this you know there's some clubs out there that actually don't have that you know i'm excited your growth i'm excited Um, about this part um because we're finally getting to the part of the history that I actually remember. Like we're catching up to when I started. We were, we were, I, I was joking earlier, you know, some of the stuff so far, everything that we've talked about was before I had any idea the Chicago Red Stars even existed. Um, so I'm really excited for this episode in particular because this is the, this is the team that I discovered uh in 2015 so i'm, I'm still yeah i think we're gonna get a lot of feedback on this episode i think yeah. it's, you're not gonna be alone in uh in that company so i'm excited to to dive into this with with the two of you and uh, in terms of any additional league updates regarding uh, covid19 there isn't really anything new to update uh, for anybody if you guys are looking uh for any official news the only thing that the league went ahead and confirmed was that like all preseason activities were going to be suspended through till May 1st, I believe, if I recall correctly. Uh, But if anything else comes up, obviously we'll do our best to help keep everybody posted. But in the meantime, we are definitely here to roll out the content 
for everybody. And I'm so excited to get into this stuff. And we actually wanted to do a bit of a setup for everyone before we go into two very specific games within this season, because we're basically venturing into this 2015 era, this era that we're all excited to discuss. So I kind of want us to break things down in terms of draft class, the general roster going into 2015, and then touch a little bit on the World Cup vibes that were going on in the era. So for, for the draft class, uh, I think amongst three of us in building up to this episode and finding a date for us all to sit down and chat, we were talking about how like we were referencing it as this like this big draft class, like splash that the rest stars made, kind of referring to it as the big three and stuff like that. And uh, we were going back and trying to watch highlights and take a look at maybe some draft class stuff but the red stars on their draft day came away with three picks in aaron gillen danny colaprico and sofia huerta and that was just three of the number of picks that they took but those were the three that ended up really sort of coming in and making a splash and making a name for themselves during this era yeah john do you want to kind of dive into that a little bit I mean, can you guys believe how stacked this draft was, though? Yeah, it's crazy. Morgan Bryan, Dahlkemper, Sam Mewis, Lynn Williams, Hinkle. And that was all before that Chicago even got to theirs. And yeah. then Chicago picked up three players who are all still not only in the league, but like some of the best players in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, nine, 10, and 11, right? Yeah. The yeah picks and we'll, which they happened. And we'll get into this a little bit more when we talk about the second game, but it is crazy too, where again, for me, just kind of as a casual fan in 2015, I don't think, I don't think like the, the three, the three flash slash courage players that you mentioned, Mewis, Dal Kemper, and Hinkle, I don't think anyone realized what that was about to turn into, or I didn't realize what that was about to turn into um, because it wasn't that in 2015. They weren't there yet. They were still kind of young. Or even like Kristen Hamilton was playing for the flash that year. Like, it's just, it's cool because we are, talk about the new class. Like we're starting to see, what in three, four years, or even for the flash, you know, it took one, um, became this just intense, intense amount of talent that we still have in the league. Yeah. I, I liked looking back at this particular draft day because, and we'll get into this further. So maybe I'm jumping in a little bit deeper than we should be, but you know, we never stick to the outline. So who cares? Um, I liked looking at all those players John, because we're also talking about Stephanie McCaffrey. Yeah. Wow. Because within this, within this specific draft, the Red Stars drafted Stephanie McCaffrey yep. at their original slotted draft pick in, the, in the first round, but then ended up making a trade with the Boston Breakers to trade lower into the draft in 2015. And they did that specifically for Stephanie McCaffrey. So they ended up trading they're making a trade for this player boston wanted the hometown kid they traded stephanie mccaffrey to boston breakers to go lower into the draft and came away with those three picks and something else that i thought was very very interesting and sort of being able to look back at how things have played out now for these partic- two particular clubs uh was you know jim gabera was a coach of sky blue at the time yes. and him right. sort of making a very specific note saying that you know danny colaprico was on their draft board uh, but Chicago ended up being able to make, you know, shake out their trades the way they did and ended up taking Danny Colaprico. And I thought that that was really an interesting little tidbit to come out of. The she's from New Jersey, too. Right. So. Yeah, she's it a Jersey kid. It would have felt like a really natural thing for that to yeah. happen, for her to go to the club close to home. But God, what a different 
career she probably would have had. Um, 100%. Yeah, yeah she would have been, yeah, she would have been holding on to something very different, um, which yeah, I know so it was, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I'm trying to look at the rest of the, the draft picks yeah. here. Uh, but I, it was, it was Gillen and then Colaprico and then Huerta in the top of the second round at 11. And then they ended up taking Kara Walls also mm-hmm. later on in that third round, I believe. So uh, no, I think this was like a draft class that they, you know, came out of. They were really, really high on, this, high on themselves and they should have been. It was a very successful draft. I think it was, it could, you could really say it was probably the beginning of all those little tropes that we hear so much about now, right? Where it's like, oh, here comes NWSL draft. Here comes draft day. It's like, Chicago, are they going to win the draft again like they always do? Or here comes Rory Dames, you know, draft king, et cetera, et cetera. Like we hear all that stuff. And I think coming out of 2014 and having the draft that they did, where it was just a very understandable, like, hey, let's choose Julie Ertz and Vanessa DiBernardo. Let's really build this team, right, around these players. And then to sort of have, the second draft they did in 2015, I think it kind of cemented that for, for some people moving forward. A thing that I think is kind of funny about it is um, we, there, Chicago has this recent history of being so good at the draft while also being a playoff team, um, which is unique in that like they don't get good natural draft picks, but they still have, they have this year-long, years-long process to make sure that they have the natural draft picks of teams that do less well than them. Um, but starting out like in 2014, you know, because we, we lived in 2014 with a, for a little bit with this team and they were, they were getting there, but they weren't, they still were developing in a way that some other teams kind of dropped right into the league and were like, we're ready, let's go. Um, and, and I, it even seems in a way, and I, I can't say cause I wasn't there, but how that vision kind of unfolds. I could see how a fan of the 2014 Red Stars could be a little impatient with that progress and then but then just to see kind of that final picture once you hit the 2015 anything post the 2015 draft um it's just yeah it's just a really cool mix of very smart drafting and a couple of players that they they went out and got in addition to that um but yeah john did you did you cover the 2015 draft or was that before 2016 was the first one that i covered in person okay got it okay i thought i think an interesting note to just help us transition is that the talent that was coming out of this draft specifically for the red stars a lot of these a couple couple of these players were toted as like these sort of these conceptual players that were sort of quote-unquote ready to contribute now like they were technically at the time considered to be you know players who were ready to contribute at the pro level so to speak which i think is kind of interesting when you look at other different sports leagues and think about, oh, who's pro-ready type of thing. So a player like Danny Colaprico, who really kind of had like a strong right. um, collegiate season heading into the draft was really one of those players. And then these these players who were drafted were coming into a season in which a World Cup was going to take place. Right. Uh, so that was going to look a little different. There were going to be these opportunities for players to step in possibly slot in and really make a name for themselves so in terms of uh, this draft class and the roster at the time the current roster for for 2015 there was maybe a lot of wiggle room for these players to kind of sneak their way in especially on a team that had a lot of uh, international players I think also based on the broadcast of that game that May 2nd that World Cup send-off 
I'm not sure people saw Sofia Huerta coming. I'm not sure people realized people were not ready. What she was about to do. <laughs> like, I think it's it's really interesting because yeah, because Colaprico was I think the one player that everyone had on their draft board. They knew like yes, she's ready to go. She's going to be a contributor to this team right away. Gilliland and Huerta, I think, were not quite on the radar in the same way. Um, and as we all as we all know, Sofia Huerta. It, it was her month, her month during the World Cup that really sent Chicago to another level during this season. And I don't think you watch that game in May 2nd and the broadcasters don't talk about her at no. all. They yeah. have nothing to say about her. Even though yeah, she, she was a heavy hitter. Yeah. It, it's funny because you hear these things about like the summer of so-and-so. And in right. 2015, it was safe to say it was like the summer of Sophia right for the Red Stars anyway in terms of the goal scoring and everything that she was doing for them but um for the Red Stars heading into 2015 when they kind of finalized the roster uh, a number of moves were made pending signings were eventually uh, signed to their contracts and and stuff like that uh, but you had a uh, uh, Karina LeBlanc, uh, Abby Ersig, Aaron Gilliland ended up making uh, the roster. Uh, Taryn Hemming, Sam Johnson, Julie Johnston, uh, Michelle Lemnicki, Rachel Quant, Shannon Box, uh, Lori Kolupny, Vanessa DiBernardo, Danny Colaprico, Alyssa Motts, Janoy, Sofia Huerta, Adriana Leon, Kristen Press, and Melissa Tancredi. Uh, Zakia Bywaters was listed on the 2015 roster. However, she was placed on the season-ending injury list due to uh, hip surgery essentially yeah. which she had to recover from and we basically didn't see her in the 2015 season um she was kept out to sort of re rehab and recover and they were going to revisit that in the future so for the red stars it was dope to see that those three big sort of draft moves that they made on the day were ended up you know being placed on on the roster moving forward to, to kick off this season. And we're going to start getting into the games now. We got two games that we're going to be sort of discussing a little bit for you all. And there's a game on May 2nd in 2015 against Sky Blue and a game against Western New York Glass on August 29th, 2015. So we're going to do these chronologically and jump right into this May 2nd game. Claire. Uh yeah, I just wanted to ask a question of John real quick. Um, John, when you saw the Chicago Red Stars play for the first time live in 2015, um, did you think they were good? <laughs> I don't remember yes. what the first game was that I oh, okay. watched. This, this was close to the first game. I yeah. think it might have been the Portland game okay. that I watched them play the first time. Um yeah, this is, I mean, this is kind of a, this is still the beginning of the transition into the right. Red Star. Yeah. So there were like bits and pieces. Um, I do remember that year watching Kolopny a lot and thinking, yeah. wow, how did I miss this? Yeah. You know, because she had fallen out of the national team because of the concussions and but was still it was this weird thing where like u.s soccer's doctor had said she couldn't play but other doctors said she could so she right. was playing in the league but right. they wouldn't call her into the national team and i think maybe there was a legal implication there but then you'd watch her play at the league level and you'd be like this is the best player on the field right you know and then of course it ended up working out in the end but yeah i don't i, I remember Ertz, who I knew uh, because I'd watched the U20s play a lot, and I think it was 20, 
2014 or maybe 2012. So I, I, I knew who she was and I, I remember being impressed with her. Um, but this draft class, I think what you guys said about the Huerta kind of popping out when the World Cup happened is really, I think when you started to realize what this group was capable of. And um, it's kind of funny. I don't, I don't know if, if you guys have talked about this already in other episodes, but how these players came to be Red Stars. Like Rory had asked Julie Johnston, and, and she's the one who recommended Huerta, who I don't think was really on his radar initially. Right, because they were classmates at Santa Clara. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Santa Clara has a really strong history, but by this age has, is not a national powerhouse anymore. So I right. think a lot of people probably didn't know about her. And then um, uh, Gilliland, I think he knew from his friendship with John Lipsitz, who was the coach there. And because Rory coaches youth, so he talks to a lot of college coaches. I think that's the only reason they really knew about her. Yeah. Um, a side note, a funny thing that <laughs> – a funny thing that today Sam Kerr and Alyssa Nair um, uh, were did an Instagram live today, and, and they briefly were talking about Aaron Gilliland um, just as an aside. And I, I liked that they said that um, she still has a six pack, even though she's eaten Seven Eleven for her whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said that's a Kentucky girl right there. <laughs> no, I loved it. That was that was great. If if you guys hadn't didn't get a chance to watch the Instagram live with Sam Kerr right. and Alyssa Nair, that's some great, it's basically great Chicago content. Um, even though it was supposed to be like USA versus Australia content, it basically was 80% Chicago and it was pretty, pretty dope. Uh, but Gillen didn't necessarily get the start in this game, but we did get to see her throughout this match. Uh, just to react to maybe sort of the, the starting lineup at first for this May 2nd game in particular, the Red Stars, uh, this is their like third game into 2015 and they're technically unbeaten. Right. Um, I think it's still one of those early games where they're trying to find the rhythm and stuff like that, kicking the rust off of preseason. But they lined up as follows. They had um, LeBlanc in goal for them. They had Taryn Hemming, Sam, Sam Johnson and Julie Johnson and Lori Kolopny starting out in that back line at left at left outside back. back yeah. Uh, and outside back because this is the, this was the World Cup uh, send off game. And Lori Kolopny needed to get that extra match in, I think, uh, heading into the World Cup. So what that did was that slotted uh, Shannon Box into the midfield with Danny Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Sofia Huerta, and Jen Hoy and Kristen Press rounded out this starting 11. Thoughts, guys? Yeah, um, I mean, I have a couple. Uh, one being that it was relatively rare to get a game with both Box and Kolopny on the field. Um, that was just the reality of, of those two players in their Red Stars career. So it was cool to get to see that. Um, I think that was something that Chicago would have liked to have more than they did. Um, yeah, guys, if you think that uh, a Jill Ellis team asking a non-outside back to be an outside back for them was like an, a new uh, thing, <laughs> uh, it's been happening for a long time. Quite some time. <laughs> uh, and so Lori Kolopny was amazing in the midfield for Chicago. So they were like, okay, do you want to play outside back for the U.S.? And that worked out. Um, and then the other thing, too, that I thought was really interesting about this was the kind of the Shannon – box story which is that she she was not yeah she was 37 in 2015 she was at the end of her career and she was on that world cup roster because jill ellis was running a system with two number sixes and they didn't have any which is insane to think about now they have so many credible number six options now um and and so just all of that 
A, it definitely seemed like, wow, this is close to probably a choice starting 11 for the Red Stars at this point. Like, again, to have Kolopny and Box on the field at the same time. But they're, those two, their World Cup stories and the fact that they were playing this game where they were playing it um, positionally, I thought uh, was very funny because history, as we've said many times in this rewatch, history repeats itself uh, a lot. <laughs> it does. Uh, John, I know you had a, a nice reminder at Lori Kolobny at left back for this game. Yeah, I forgot that this happened. To be <laughs> honest, I was watching this and I was like, I think I messaged you guys because I was like, what yep. is happening? But it's exactly what Claire was saying is that I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the 2019 season, we saw Tierna at left back. And right. there was no way that Rory was going to play her at left back. But that was clearly like a well, Jill says she's the backup left back on the World Cup team, so yep. she's got to get some minutes get here some before minutes. we head off to France. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it, I agree. It's, it was a little wild. to. It's like we knew that that was a thing. Right. She went to the World Cup for that reason, to be right. left back depth. And I'm not trying to discredit Kolobny as a left back by any means. I mean, Hope Solo has actually gone on record referring yes. to Lord right. Kolobny as the greatest left back of all time uh, in terms of their era. Uh, so uh, yeah, I absolutely mean no disrespect when it was kind of no. like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, like we all sort of forgot. We're like, oh duh, that's right. Of course she needed to get time at the outside back position before it's, heading, heading off. Right. It's also just, but it is just kind of that classic story of uh, a player getting in back for this, in this case, back in the national team conversation because of play at one position to be brought back in to play at a different position. Well, we were talking about Huerta. That's exact. She scores all the goals at forward to become a right back. Oh, Oh, man. We're not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, this is the good vibe. That's right. Can I add one more thing? Of course. If Kolopny was that good, and she was, as a midfielder, and the U.S. struggled that whole tournament to figure out the midfield. You remember, this is like Lauren Holiday as a yes. number six. And, right. yes. and they didn't bring Morgan Bryan into the midfield until... Correct. Yeah. Quarterfinal. Quarter Deep into the knockout rounds, yeah. And they're playing Kolopny at left back. Yeah. Like, yeah. You've got this center midfielder who's great, who's proven she's great, and you're dinking around with this crazy idea of playing her in a position that she's not... Again... She's a great midfielder, but I think at that point in her career, she wasn't going to be a great left back anymore. Right. I think that those days had kind of passed. Yeah, well, it's like, John, it's like you should have gone to the World have Cup you, and asked Jill Have Ellis, you John. won two <laughs> World Cups, John? <laughs> How dare you is. question them? I, I Here it is, y'all. Was yours better or was Sandra's better? <laughs> <laughs> everyone's getting a glimpse into how we <laughs> operate with each other in the yeah, press box yeah. right now uh i'm gonna show sky blue some love in this game yeah. uh, for their starting lineup they they lined up as follows as followed on this day against the red stars they had Brittany cameron and net cammy levin Kristen gupka Haley hagsma Lindsay kushaw on the back line katie Friel, sir killian shauna gordon taylor lytle Maya Hayes and Nadia Nadim to run out there starting right. 11. Yeah. Exciting stuff to see that. Uh, Nadia Nadim, it was a yeah. joy to watch her again in this game. I'm, I, that's a player I miss uh, being able to watch in the NWSL week in, week out, no matter what team uh, she's on. She ended up, you know, leaving to head back home to be, be closer to home and family. So shout out to her. It's nice to revisit these games and see some of these players uh, who are 
left their mark, but no longer in the league. Um, but something else I really enjoyed going back on this game and rewatching it, and it's one of my first notes in this game, is that Daniel Slayton was on the call she for was. this game That's right. with, with Lisa Byington, and I was absolutely ecstatic. It, like, completely set the tone of this rewatch for me. I was like, yes, a veteran U.S. women's national team defender that's calling a local Chicago Red yeah. Stars game. Like, right. sign me up. It was they fantastic. They were there, too. Did you guys notice? She was on the sideline in the pregame. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that I, wasn't this this remote thing that they do now in Florida where the announcers aren't at the games. Right. I have to think it was prep. It was prep for international games, maybe, what she was doing uh, was just to get some live reps before. I think she I think she went to Canada for, for that World Cup, so – um, yeah, it was dope. They definitely, I enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job. I really love to hear Slayton on the call and it was cool to see her on, hear her on a call. Slayton gave a lot of great insight to this game. Uh, she, I really liked her little tidbits, like leading into the World Cup as this, we've already mentioned that it is the World Cup send-off game. And uh, she mentioned that there were eight and nine World Cup players potentially for the Red Stars and that the fans were potentially going to see them on the pitch. And uh, it was a lot of great buildup to this match uh, that ended up with a banger of a goal from Colaprico. Danny Colaprico, before we get into this goal, uh, three games in. I think when we were breaking down how to watch the games on this series, we said this game needs to happen because it's basically a Danny Colaprico game. Right. It goes to and, show just how everything changed once she started playing. I mean, she was she was amazing in this game. Yeah. She was creating. She was breaking lines. It was really, really dope to see. Her and uh, Sofia Huerta. Yeah, and also Danny Colaprico's hair was so big in this game. And I was <laughs> like, that's how you know that she's about to make an impact. Her ponytail was just like, it was great. I loved it. She was a presence on the field. Um, the power was in the ponytail. One John. Thing, one, Oh, I was just going to say one thing I want to say about this game that's kind of weird and I think people will appreciate is um, because we have nine teams now, um, the, at, at the time, um, so this game is weird in that um, the U.S. international, so this is the World Cup send-off game. Chicago had their U.S. internationals because I believe they'd had a bye, I think, um, before this game was played, yes. but Sky Blue did not because they did not have a buy. So basically it's like, you know, everyone was like, I, we get to have our U S players for, I think it was three games. Um, and because yeah. this was Chicago's third game and Sky Blue's fourth, um, Chicago was playing with their U S players and Sky Blue did not have Kelly O'Hara or Christy Rampone, which is just cuckoo crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was just an interesting tidbit. Again, shout out to Dan Slayton who yeah. dropped it in. And was like, there was a prearranged right. agreement or understanding. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're still in some real early days yeah. of the NWSL where we just shake hands and that's what it is. This was the tournament, too, where there was all the confusion when they came back to their clubs. Remember right. that? There were like yeah. some big blow ups. Yeah. Because yeah. not all of them came back at the same time. Right? Some took their time coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a thing on the <laughs> yeah. return. Which is again, yeah. we're gonna get into a game <laughs> yeah. in which they come back as World Cup as World Cup champions. But to close out the half of of this game, something else that I really liked. Again, and we we only get to see this because we have access to these 
uh, streams on YouTube. And obviously, this game was billed as like a theme type of game. You know, it's a World Cup send-off game. You know, come see your stars right before before they head off to 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 the faraway land of Canada and take on and take on the world. Uh, it was nice to sort of hear the the crowd that was there, which yeah, I think if I remember correctly, seeing on Wiki was um, fourteen hundred, a whopping fourteen hundred. Uh, for for Benedictine, uh, but it was also really nice to see these little shots of local one three four in the corner. So shout out yeah. to them! Like you saw, I was like, look at that. That's growth. Like yeah, I really appreciated sure. that you saw. They looked, you know, with, filled with some more people coming in and being interested in the uh, in the team and bringing the excitement and stuff like that. But the halftime ended with some really bright spots for the Red Stars that we mentioned: Colaprigo and and, and and Huerta, obviously. Uh, but that first half was, there were some moments where it was kind of disjointed and, uh, maybe not as, not as much connecting. Like there were moments where there were opportunities on goal, but, uh, not necessarily like the whole concept of like a lethal finish or anything like that. The thing I enjoyed about this game, um, and we'll see, there's, there's a little bit of a difference between this and the game that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, so sky blue, sky blue has you know, I think a lot of people have this idea of them in their 2018 season, and this was definitely not that. Um, but also Chicago was not really set up. Like they were too concerned about sky blue. Like at one point I was like, they're in a two back. Like there was a point where the center backs are sprayed wide. You've got Johnson on one side, Johnson on the other. And they were definitely just set up like, Oh, well we can, I think we can contain this. We can contain the one Nadia Nadim and we'll be okay. Um, and so in that way, it was, it was like kind of a slow start, but it was definitely Chicago being like, we, we got this, it's going to be okay. And we're just going to kind of yeah. pick our moments. I'm glad you mentioned Sam Johnson because there were some real good, <laughs> some like vintage yeah. iconic crunch moments yeah. from Samantha Johnson in this game. And they rightfully showed her some love too. They, they talked about the beginnings of yep. Sam Johnson and her, a journey to being a professional player in the NWSL and how that actually started with an old friend of hers in Bywaters, getting her to come out to open tryouts and Rory Dame sort of seeing something there and talking to her and about, yeah. you know, seeing a place for her on the back line versus, you know, being the offensive player that she kind of came into uh, the open tryouts. As. So it was cool to see these little moments uh, for her sort of bringing the noise. There was a little bit of a, a hard challenge from her and, and Maya Hayes at one point. And yeah. uh, it was nice to see her go over there and just check on her like, yeah, yeah, I, I came at you, but, uh, <laughs> but I hope you're okay. John, were nice. you, were you at this game? Yes, I was. And it was funny because uh, I actually messaged you guys this earlier, but I started listening to the post-game press conference. I found it on my recorder because I wanted yes. to hear what, what everybody yeah. said. And yeah. you guys were just talking about Sam Johnson and um, she was one of the, I think I mentioned this last episode. We were basically given two players to talk to mm-hmm. at post game. That was it. Um, but she was one of the two that game. And she gave kind of an old defender's adage when she said uh, she was talking about one of the breakaways. And she said, I was taught that either the player or the ball gets past you, but not both. <laughs> what a nugget. Oh, <laughs> so, man, that's um, good. Yeah. Put no, I love a, it. Put that on a, a, a motivational poster, honestly. <laughs> that's, the, that's great. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, I liked the, the Red Sox that came out into into the second half. Uh, really didn't see any 
early, like super early, like at the at the point of halftime uh, subs, those started to come in a little later, maybe around the 60th minute for for both teams. But they they came out into the second half, I think, sort of trying to generate a little bit more, and that all finally. Came, I can't. I'm so excited to talk about this goal. This goal that all, that all came to fruition in the 54th minute in which this epic uh, goal happens for Danny Colaprico, her mm-hmm. first ever professional NWSL goal yeah. that comes off of a corner kick, sort of. Uh, the, Red Stars, the Red Stars win themselves the set piece. Yeah. Vanessa, they were still in the days in which Vanessa DiBernardo is still like the, the one. Those. She's the yeah. one who's taking these, these corner kicks. This, this ball gets sent in. And the Red Stars' MO during this game in particular, again, you got to wonder if it's one of those World Cup instructions but what we saw repeatedly during this game was that anytime the red stars had a set piece corner they were deliberately delivering it towards shannon box well so yeah right this happens in this moment and sky blue haven't caught on to this yet but they they vanessa bernardo sends this ball in it's towards uh, Shannon Box, and it ends up falling sort of to, to Colaprico, who, who gets on this ball and very wisely uh, in her early stage of her professional career has the presence of mind to just say, just, just react Take a and shot. shoot this ball. Take a yeah. shot. And oh, what a shot it was. Oh boy. Because it ricochets off of the face <laughs> of her teammate, Julie Johnston. It's so who also. <laughs> who also has the presence of in her young mind to take a rocket off of her face and then immediately duck she as ducks. her teammate yeah. <laughs> as her teammate Danny Colaprico receives this ricochet ball back and tries to shoot this ball with her right foot she switches with feet her other foot she switches feet she's like well that one didn't work yeah. I like my teammate let me try this one no like it, she does dominant foot first. She does right foot first, and then she the and then actual like, goal is her left foot so because good. the right foot hit Julie Johnson's face. Oh my like, god! Like, well, let's so try the other one. Good. Julie gets sniped. Oh man! Julie Johnson notices, recognizes that this ball goes straight back to Colbert, and there's a split second where she they ducks. both understand it has to happen yep. right now. Yeah, she stays low. Cola Prico changes feet, and this ball goes flying to the back of the net. It was a it great was goal. The most beautiful thing you see. You saw the yeah. elation, the joy. Everyone was happy for her. Yeah. Uh, and everybody was celebrating. And it just felt like it was such a good goal. It was, it was the start of something beautiful. I would say it's team. also a start of a long tradition of Julie Ertz getting decked in the face. She so, was here for it. Yeah. It's like she knew. She was like, you know what? I got this is me. Yeah, right. Get beat up. Yeah. And then kick ass harder. I did. <laughs> I thought it was very cute. I thought it was very cute that, that Johnston ducked. She was like, oh, it's happening again. Um, but then also <laughs> after after the goal was scored, she's the only one. Everyone is obviously super excited for Danny Colaprico in this moment. And so is Julie. But she is the only one that's a little bit just like walking back towards halfway <laughs> line, just like okay so we everyone is happy we scored and yeah, this is good. And we're yeah. yeah. get back in position and make yeah. sure that the other team doesn't score now like <laughs> yeah i the gifts you had a great angle for this oh, goal, but even just the live feed of just like the the sequencing i think it was about six seconds of yes colaprigo gets the ball boop dex julie earth she's like <laughs> oh no and then just shoots it with the other foot um yes. the one thing i did want to say though 
about Shannon Box in this moment is that um, I felt very distinctly, again, everything is like a handshake from the past to the future. I felt very strongly that Shannon Box on this goal in particular. Um, so the, the, um, the goal that Casey Short scored against Orlando, the big goal, the big 1-0 goal that Casey Short scores against Orlando in 2019, um, part of that play was Casey Short actually doing some quick offensive defending in the box bef- to, to kick that ball back out. Um, and so in this corner kick, uh, Bernardo tries to hit Box and doesn't quite, but Shannon Box never gives up on that play, and she actually depossesses the Sky Blue defender to kick that ball back out to Danny Colaprico. And I was like, damn, like that idea of just like immediately once the first plan doesn't work, def- getting being quick on that press, getting the ball back, and kind of it's like an offensive rebound where you just kick it back out, give someone else a shot at this. Um, I was just like, that is something that the Red Stars, you know, pride themselves on. And I thought that that moment from Shannon Box, uh, even though she, you know, she kind of only got like a a hockey assist on that one, um, was very cool. And also indicative of like why she was on that World Cup roster, which again, we talked about this a little bit about how during that era, and this is again, I, I promise this is not something against Shannon Box, but just to a certain extent, effort and discipline and And experience and experience went a really long way. And so her in that moment, you saw all of those things play out and um, that gave Colaprico two shots on goal. (laughs) (laughs) Danny credited her in the post-game press conference too. Good. Specifically with keeping that play alive. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was all Shannon Box making that happen. Six is going to, six is going to recognize sixes. That's right. Game recognized game. They know, they know what's up. It's interesting. You though mentioned that handshake because um, I think one thing we kind of forget about this is box only played another seven minutes the rest of the season after this game. Like this was basically it. Yeah. She she retires in July mid season. She Mm -hmm. comes back from the world cup and just basically says that was it. That was all I could do. (laughs) Yeah. I can't guys. I'm spent. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was nice to, I'm glad that we ended up choosing this game as a game to watch in in 2015, Uh, just because of the, those types of moments uh, that it gave us to, to look back on. It's really important to sort of see what was happening for the red stars between the lines, specifically during this era, because you're talking two years into this newly branded women's pro league right and the red stars are finding their footing in terms of looking like who they want to be identity as a soccer team right yeah you're seeing that whole again all these tropes that we hear about now you know these concepts of culture and, and team unity and et cetera, et cetera, that we always hear from the players specifically are coming out of the locker room and seeing that uh, the seeds of that and just all really starting to sprout their little flowers on, on the pitch. It was really, really, really dope. In the second half, um, after this goal specifically, we started to see all these subs. So we got a number of players uh, making the do on, on both sides of the ball. It was cool. Meg Morris came on for yep. Sky Blue FC right. at one point. Yep. Uh, Kim DeCesar, Lola Bonta for, for Sky Blue. And then for the Red Stars, you had a rookie for rookie at 62. Uh, the 62nd minute, you had uh, Aaron Gilliland come on for Sophia Huerta, Carol Walsh come on for, for Jen Hoy, and then uh, Abby Yersig uh, closed out the game in a, as a 90-minute uh, sub for, for Danny Colaprico. Uh, but the Red Stars ended up sort of just being able to contain, really, 
on this day. Yeah. I have a couple thoughts a little bit. And again, this is all in hindsight of, um, there were a couple moments in that second half that really stuck out to me. Um, one being that, uh, a less good thing, which is that Chicago scores and they kind of immediately sort of collapse into this defensive formation. Yeah. Close um, it out. Mean, close it out. <laughs> yeah. Just like right after they score, they're like, okay, okay. Okay. So we're Let's close not going to score. <laughs> yeah. 25 right. minutes. Yeah. And, and so I was like, yeah, classic, classic Chicago. Um, so that I actually kind of love because it, you know, it felt, it felt like home a little bit um, for them to oh, do that. Oh yeah, I have, I have a note here that says, <laughs> oh, Rory is yelling and shit on the stuff. Yeah, line. right. Oh um, man. And then the one, so there was one other moment, which I think, um, oh, it was so good. There's a moment and I couldn't tell you, did I write the minute down? Let me see. Um, yeah, there's a moment in the 73rd minute where Oops. Danny Colaprico has, where Danny Colaprico has the ball yeah. and she someone tries to foul her and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next game because Kristen Press has a fucking worldie in that next game but um she they try to foul her they try to take her down and what Danny Colaprico does is instead of getting like letting herself get fouled or you know must trying to muscle her way from making that happen she's just quicker than the other person and and she just very calmly moves the ball out of the way takes a step back and basically through control and through that kind of very particular agility stops herself from getting decked. And I was like, that is the evolution of the NWSL right there. It was someone who was trying to do something super physical and impose physicality and a different player saying, actually, you know what? I'm really good on the ball. So you can't do that to me. Um, and I I thought that that particular just instant was like, yeah, this is the shift that we're seeing in play here where players who are used to this kind of brute force are going to start getting phased out because they're going to start playing against players who are way more sophisticated than they are. Absolutely. And a note on the physicality, I literally have here at one point, I said, uh, if you can't be physical and, and if you can't play defense, you can't play for the Chicago Red Stars. That's literally a True note. to this in my, day, man. In, yep. my, in my pages right here. Yep. And uh, you just saw that really come to life in, in this second half. I know I mentioned the, the sub for, for Gilliland, for Huerta. And John, I know you said that you were in this game. And you gave us a note about her speed in this game. And it was crazy to rewatch this game and have you give us that note and then see how when she comes because when she gets subbed in in the in the in the 60 second minute for like one of her first touches was just she was lightning and mm-hmm. she was gone as soon as she got it and I was like oh crap it's it's literally what John said like coming coming to life it was really really uh it was really really dope to see and the rookies I feel like really uh might have introduced themselves to everybody in this game especially considering it was the world cup game it was just like you've got more of of us to come basically there's a clip from either 2015 or 2016 where it's almost like you you guys remember those like forrest gump clips where like yeah he like runs away from everybody there's one of those of gilliland it's like real life just (laughs) watching her run past the entire team yeah there's a Uh, there's a moment in the next game where everyone else on the field has decided that the ball is going out of bounds and and gilly's just like no i got it and she just like goes and gets it um (laughs) like oh that one's mine that one's mine uh yeah um so so john question for you you said that you started kind of doing some of the live red star stuff in preparation for the world cup you didn't end up going um (laughs) Rip. Um, a new, a new favorite subject of the 
a new oh, favorite John subject. didn't go to the 2015 <laughs> World Cup. Here at Southside Trip uh, Podcast, so we love to talk about talk it. Talk about John not going to the World Cup. <laughs> um, no, but at, at the time, did, I know that basically, I mean, we're, this is kind of the transition, which is where on the broadcast, they spoke a lot. And I think this is a pretty common talking point was actually probably way less true for Chicago than for anybody else. They were worried about the team without their world cup players. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And they said, what happens when the spine goes away? Um, did you, when you were kind of, I mean, my first question is in not going to the world cup, did you watch the world cup, the Chicago world cup games? Did you cover those? Yeah. Yeah. That was that whole season. I mean, ever since I started in the very beginning of the 2015 season, I've made, I mean, I think I've missed four games in five yeah. years. Okay. Something so, like that. Well, actually maybe a couple more cause I missed two or three when I was in France this summer, but. Right. So carry yeah. us through a little bit. So March 2nd, they end mm-hmm. the game in second, sec, first place. They were tied for first, I think actually with the thorns or something. It was only three games in. it wasn't a huge deal. Um, so we're about to move to the later stages of the season. Right. Can you talk about that World Cup break a little bit and what you saw from the young players on that team during that time? You know, I don't I don't remember a lot individually. I, I do remember what you were saying about Huerta kind of becoming this, like, really a breakout star. You know, she scored a bunch of goals. And then I don't know if you guys remember this. Do you remember the narrative that came out of that was that when press came back and there were a couple of games where Chicago they can't didn't score, score when they're they on the field oh together? What does that mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounded like that in my head. It was just like that, guys. It was a complete, that was yeah. the tone. That was the tone of the narrative at the time. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I, I remember uh, Sophia scored and it might have been, it might have been that. I think there was a, they played Houston at Toyota Park um, late in that year. And I think Huerta scored in that game. And of course, the first thing Rory said at the press conference was like, what are you guys going to write about now? Oh, dang. Yeah. Yeah. Smashing. He he loves to smash the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Smash a narrative. And that's where we're leaving it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the first half of our conversation about 2015 Chicago Red Stars. We'll be back in a couple of days to discuss a later season game against the Western New York Clash and kind of what that meant for both the past and the future as the Chicago Red Stars head towards their first semifinal. Hope you guys enjoyed. See you in a couple days.